Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. Welcome to Anyone's Game International Podcast. I am Kenny Vogue. I am joined by Robbie Hanratty. And we are looking ahead to Scotland's crucial Euro 2020 qualification double header with Portugal on Friday night in the Algarve, then a home tie with Finland at Easter Road on Tuesday. Uh, first of all on the show, we'll hear from the gaffer, Shelley Kerr. Uh, we will then have on a lifelong Scotland fan and West of Scotland Tartan Army member, Hamish Husband. He'll be giving us his views on the upcoming qualifiers. Then, for all you guys out there who do not know much about the side from Portugal, we will have an exclusive chat with Portuguese journalist, Ines Braga Sampaio, who works for one of Portugal's leading radio stations. And to end the show, Robbie, do you want to tell them or will I? Oh, you can tell them, but we're in for a treat, that's for sure. Yes, what a treat we have for you guys. To end our first ever show, we have Scotland legend, Julie Fleeton, all-time top scorer, what a player. She even got an MBE. How lucky are we? Oh, brilliant. I can't wait. So, Kenny, we go into this crucial double header, one point behind Portugal and trail Finland by four, who have played a game more. Knowing that, two wins in these two huge matches will go a long way to seeing us qualify for the Euros. What's your thoughts on these games? Well, I believe we can do it, Robbie. Uh, I mean, Portugal away is going to be a tough tie. Uh, the Portuguese side have got better and better over the coming years. They're a very technical side. Um, and Finland have been the surprise package in the group. Um, no one expected at the start for them to be out. But um, I mean, we've got an away tie than a home tie. So fingers crossed. It would just be amazing to see both sides. Obviously, you've got the men's team in Euro 20, which is now 2021. 20, and to have the women's side in there as well would just be, oh, what, what a couple of summers, Robbie. That's all I can say about it. Yeah, just, it's what the Tartan I may deserve. It's not been the best of years for everyone. But to see both teams qualify would just be... Amazing, and fingers crossed it does happen. So, Robbie, let's get this show started. Um, so, we caught up with Scotland boss Shelley Kerr, and she gave us our views on the defeat to Finland, the experience back in the side, but she's also pleased that qualification is still in our own hands. You know, I think the last time, the last double header, we, we missed out on about 400 caps, the players that we were missing. And it's funny because, you know, looking at, you know, populating the squad and looking at how all the players are doing, you know, we, we, we've still got, you know, the likes of Lana Cleland missing as well, but it is very, very strong. We also asked Shelley on a decision to pick a squad of 27 women for this upcoming Crucial Qualifiers. Well, we took two extra players the last time and we're very much aligned to what... Um, you know, the men's team have done. Steve Clark took extra players. Obviously, they have three games, but given the current protocols and, um, you know, there's always that thought in the back of your mind, you know, bringing the experienced players back in and more players in, you know, it sets us up really, really well. You've still got to, of course, perform, you know, on the day. Um, we come up against a very, very uh, competent Portuguese team and they will be they will be tough. They play in a different way, very technically gifted players. And then we've got also Finland as well. So we've got a double header and um, it's, it's also hard to manage players when you play a double header. But it's certainly strong. It's got depth in it. We've got a lot of talent. And as you rightly said, it's still very much in our hands. And of course, the gaffer will be watching this one from home, kicking every ball after unfortunately being caught up in the COVID crisis that is engulfed from the Scotland under 21 side. Assistant manager Andy Thompson and coaches Billy Stark and Paul Brumley will have the task of managing the team 
from the dugout. We caught up with lifelong Scotland fan Hamish Husband on how he feels the side will cope without the manager. I think we've enough good players. Uh, and one thing I remember watching the England game uh, last year from the World Cup, there came a point in the second half and the, the camera zoomed in on Erin Cuthbert and she was talking to somebody and as if she said, Wait a minute, this England team's know what we make out to be. And late on, as if, and it's the responsibility of the players and uh, to take control. So I think that we have good enough players with three top class players, Cuthbert, Little and Caroline Weir. If they play to the best of their ability and Claire Emsley on the wing, I, it, it has to be that they take control on the pitch. The West of Scotland Tottenham member also feels that it's about time the men qualified and praised the women's team for giving the country a presence at major tournaments over the last few years. Well, I think it's the, the women that have carried the last in the last mm -hmm. few years with the performances of the women and it was reflected in the turnout of the Jamaica game just before they went. And I, th oh, I, absolutely. I, I, I think if you take the, the performance of the women team two championships in a row, and it's really important. The next one's in England, and we could take a sizable crowd to that. Mm -hmm. And if you ally that to the relative success of the men, the men have lived in the shadow of the women for a while. So it's important. That was some great points here from Hamish. Thanks for joining us, Hamish. And Robbie, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I honestly can't wait to bounce about. Wembley for uh, two summers in a row in, I believe, uh, our girls and men can do it and be successful and fight on both tournaments. I just hope the world calms down a bit and we can get fans back in. Yeah, because football is a big part in my life and I'm sure it is in yours. And it's just that gap you miss in your life, not being able to actually be there to support our team. Well, next on the show, Robbie, we've got a treat and we have managed to track down one of Portugal's top radio presenters, as I mentioned earlier, Ines Brago Sampaio. And we are going to get Ines' views on the Portuguese side, basically. So Ines feels that the Portuguese side will make it extremely difficult for Scotland. And she gave us her views about how good the side actually are. Well, I mean, they're still a growing team. I feel like we're constantly growing, getting better, because um, due also to the way that Portuguese teams, Portuguese clubs are betting on on women's football. So it's like we we get better every year because we get better players. We have some really good youngsters right now. And um, but yeah, but Portugal are really finding their style and uh, a team that is able to you know, to, to go against any team in the world. We're not there yet, of course. But I think we can really make it hard for Scotland. And with the Portuguese side sitting second in the group, with three wins and a draw, only one goal conceded, we decided to ask Ennis, who are the dangers on this side? Still, We still depend too much on uh, Claudia Nett, our number seven, our captain, mm -hmm. who is still the best player we have. Especially with Jessica Silva, who plays for Lyon, especially since she's injured. So right now, like we only have Claudia Nett, who in terms of like top, top, top player. But um, I think we're really growing into our own as a team, and uh, we'll pose a tough challenge for Scotland. There's also Anna Borges, uh, number nine. She's um, 
right back. She's very attack-minded, also very skilled, and her crosses are beautiful. She crosses beautifully. She's very, and um, she's also very experienced. So she, she's kind of like the complete package. Oh, and Anna Capeta. She's a forward. She's right now, she's like, uh, she's the biggest goal scorer in the Portuguese league right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, she poses a real, well, goal-scoring threat. Yes, she's a very dangerous player. I don't know if, she sh- if she'll start, but if she does, mm-hmm. then she's definitely a player to watch out for. And, and it's looking at the Scotland side. Um, what dangers can you identify? What would be the main dangers to Portugal on Friday night? Um, Cuthbert, right away. Uh, she's an amazing player. I love watching her play. I, I actually, like, I play very close attention to the WSL so and especially City, United, Arsenal and Chelsea and she's she's a star Erin Cuthbert she's she's amazing I also like Lisa Evans a lot and she's back right from what I I gathered and um, of course Kim Little she's she's got like she's a captain through and through and and she's also like one of those players that can change a game just by coming on the pitch so those three are really dangerous and Portugal will be will have to be very careful. I thought that was extremely interesting to know because going into the game yeah we know a lot about Scotland but to actually get a snippet of what the opposition think is great. We'd just like to say a huge thanks for Innes for joining us from her homeland in Porto to help contribute to this segment of the podcast. Next up, we have a main segment of the day, and I'm absolutely delighted to announce that we were speaking to the legend, Scotland's all-time top goalscorer, Julie Fleeting, on her experiences playing for Scotland, as well as getting her insight into the two upcoming Euro 2022 qualifiers. Julie scored an incredible 116 goals in 121 international appearances for Scotland in a career that spanned over 19 years. So Julie, 15 year olds, you made your debut at Somerset Park against the Welsh side. Tell us about that. I think at that age you kind of take everything in your stride and I was probably very lucky. It was a kind of transition period with the national squad so there was quite a few of us who were younger players I had grown up with. There was quite a few from my own club. Um, a couple of my really close friends get brought in at the same time. So it was probably a lot easier than you would imagine it could be um, because they were kind of changing from... They, they were almost moving out, the older players, and, and trying to bring youth through. And um, They were they were all just about coming under the, the whole banner of the SFA. Um, as opposed to being a separate organisation of the SWFA. Um, so it kind of came at a good time. I joined with a lot of my friends. Uh, and yeah, I was I was obviously delighted to be a part of it and excited at um, what the future could hold. Uh, and so, so you're saying you made your debut, obviously with a lot of your, your sort of pals, but a lot of your pals in that team as well then? So was that kind of added yeah, to that? Yeah, there was, there was like a... I probably came through at quite a good time. There was a really good bulk of talented um, players round about my age, maybe a year or two older, um, down to, to my own age. And um, these were girls that I had, like my friend Vary, who's still my best friend today. She was a bridesmaid at um, our wedding. She was on the pitch at the same time. And um, like I had players that players that I've, 
Vary and I have been friends since we were nine or ten, played football together and um, she was there. There was quite, a, like, loads of girls I'm still part, friends with today. We're all a part of it. And um, that was a group that, that, that probably was the the kind of foundation of the Scotland team that went on to be successful and to kind of grow as a team. And uh, yeah. there was probably a good group, a core of that group were a part of that squad as well. Now, Julie, I read up on you, and in the 2009 qualifiers, I understand that uh, Scotland had to beat Lithuania by 16 or more goals to make the playoff with Spain. And you did it. You did it in the last minute. You scored the 17th. I think you scored four goals that game as well. Talk us through that match, Julie. That must have been a strange one. Yeah, that's that's the most surreal game I've ever been a part of. Um, it was... Uh, my dad was actually the coach at the time. Uh, and I remember at half-time, we went in quite deflated. It was only 6-0 and we were thinking we've blown it. Um, <laughs> I, think we had, I think we had beaten them maybe only four or five. I don't know, but... We hadn't beaten them by anything like 17 away from home. Um, so, But we were, we were confident, like, getting into it. We trained all week very much, like, attacking formation, like, two at the back and, uh-huh. like, really quite bizarre. Um, but I remember at halftime looking around the dressing room and everybody was just their head in their hand as if we're blown at a 6-0. And um, I remember my dad and the other coaches just saying, just go out and don't think about it. Just keep playing and slowly the goals it was just constant we were just scoring constantly and I remember we scored the 16th and maybe like the 81st minute or something like that so we still had quite a lot of time to score one goal but they then it was as if if we get beat 16-0 the Lithuanians were happy like yeah. if they get beat 17-0 they had just it was devastating so they defended for their lives after that and it was just wave after wave of attack and um it wasn't until like after the 90th minute that we actually scored. So it was just, it was unbelievable. And can you can talk it. about it to people, but you you can never imagine that that would actually happen. <laughs> uh, and I remember my mum was telling us after, like she's jumped up in the stand, like to celebrate with everybody else, but she's fainted. She's jumped too hard. Fainted. She's, <laughs> she was lying in the ground, but nobody even noticed her. They were all still celebrating. <laughs> around the so nobody actually even picked her up. Um, but it was great. It was a great feeling, and um, it was a that was a, spe- a really special group of players, um, a really close knit group of players who can kind of really just fought for each other, and they were. It was a pleasure to play in that team. And it was Vera that gave you the captaincy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. sum up that for us. Like, what kind of feeling was that when someone says, "Right, you're going to be Scotland captain"? I think she she came, she pulled me aside and she said, um, "We're thinking of." Kind of making you captain. What age are you? Like 24, 25? I think at the time I was maybe twenty. <laughs> I was, I was twenty. I think I was at university still, and I said, "No, I'm 20. <laughs> and she was like, "Oh, oh, right, okay." But I think she'd already made up her mind. I think she'd decided that that's the way she wanted to go forward. And um, yeah, I, I felt like I had been in the squad for a, a good while. I felt established in the team and. Um, I felt like it was something that I could take in my stride and um, obviously really honoured and it's a massive um, a massive thing to be able to wear the armband. But um, I was pretty confident that I'd been in the team for five years and um, it was a job I could do. I asked Julie about how she thought 
the Scotland men's team qualifying for Euro 2020 would benefit the women's team and maybe create a bit of momentum and extra following for them. Yeah, definitely. Like the, all the women, like the female players are massive fans of the the men's game and um, the men's national team, and you can see the difference that it has. Yes, the women have qualified twice, but there is a difference within the general public and how they react and um, the excitement, the buzz around people. And um, like the women's team will, will back the men's all the way, and um, they'll be just as excited as any other fan. So um, it's huge. I was so happy that finally we got the our kids now and the younger people are going to get the opportunity now to, to see Scotland at the final. So going back to the crucial double header coming up against Portugal and Finland, I asked Julie how big a blow it's going to be without having manager Shelley Kerr on the touchline. It's, it's absolutely, I'm absolutely devastated for Shelley. This is like two of the biggest, biggest games um, probably that she would have been a part of um, I know she was able to take the players um, to the last tournament and she would just be desperate to, to try and do the second. So I've been able to take the players to both competitions and um, to not be there for all the preparation. There's only so much that you can do on the end of the phone and um, I know the whole virtual thing will be a, a great help to her, I'm sure, over the, the next few days. But you can't replace being on the training pitch and reacting to moments that are happening, the training, how the players are doing and making changes to your session just because of what's um, what's happened during the, the training. But she'll she'll have great confidence in the staff that she has. They've worked with, Andy's worked with Shelley her, her full time as a national team manager and also before when she was at Stirling. So he'll understand what Shelley wants them to put across. Sometimes it moments like this you, you see great character from your your squad and everybody rallies round and it almost becomes more important to be successful and I think that's the way the players will look at it they'll see that yes as a hurdle but um, if we can get maximum points out of these two games it's even more special with the fact that they've been able to do it despite the, the circumstances. All I can say is I hope it works out just like it did for West Ham and David Moyes when he was having to lead the team from home back in September, I think they went undefeated, so here's hoping Scotland can do the same. Julie has had an amazing career in women's football and became a legend in Scotland and for teams that she's played for, such as Arsenal, in the past. So who better to give some advice to younger people who may be listening to this podcast on how they can maybe achieve their dreams and following Julie's footsteps and become a footballer one day? I would say just continue to work hard at your club. Keep your head down and um, listen to the people round about, but obviously have your own mind and, and know what you want to achieve. Like I've seen so many players who have maybe come into the national squad as a youngster, um, but I've also seen a lot of players that's not happened for them until a bit later on in, in their career as well. So... Um, if ever there are moments where you get knocked down um, it's really how you react and how you pick yourself back up that will make you a champion or make you a successful player and um, for me it was loving, just loving what I, what I do it, 
loving football in general and because of that I went to training every opportunity because of that I picked up a ball and went out in the street or went out in the park and um, it's just if, if you can continue to to love what you do and surround yourself by good people um, who are also going to be I was so lucky in my life that um, my family first of all were so influential and not like forcing me into it at all because that was the the back seat but they were there for they would take me to every training session every game um they wouldn't pressure me but they understood they understood what it was like if I couldn't make certain social situations or, or family gatherings because I had other commitments and and then I was also really lucky my husband um was into football as well so he had the same kind of understanding that um, you had to train every night and you had to eat the correct foods and we kind of went through that together because he had the same career and um, mm. he had the same goals as me so it's also about surrounding you by um, positive people and people who you know are going to help you get to where you want to go. Next I asked Julie about how she feels the women's game in Scotland has grown and with broadcasting getting more and more popular how that is benefiting the women's game these days? Oh, massively. The the coverage now, in comparison, is um, at, like it's all come on. Like there was no social media either, so everything's growing, and, and with it, women's football are getting more and more publicity. They're getting more airtime. You you would know players now. You would know teams um, where before it was very hard to have any information about who the actual players were or who they played for. and um, I mean, I think everyone's enjoying it, but of course there's still, there's still more to achieve and there's still um, more to come. We want more people tuning in and, and taking notice of women's football. And um, there's some amazing, there's some unbelievable players in, that Scotland produce in the women's game and um, mm. they play great football and it's an, and it's an exciting sport to watch. Um, it might not be exactly the same as a men's game and never pretend that it is the same, but it can still be as entertaining. There, there might be differences within the way the women play and um, of course there's going to be, it's the way that you're you're made up, but there's still there's still a lot of entertainment there and um, I think it, there's a lot of people working really hard to try and um, kind of show the general public that this is a sport that you can enjoy and um, come along and, and support your local team. Well, I thought that was brilliant input from Julie and I'm so pleased that we managed to get her to join us on this Anyone's Game International special. Keep an eye out for future international podcasts because Julie told us so many great stories that there's not enough time to share today but could be shared another time. And just finally want to end this podcast by paying our condolences to Diego Maradona, who sadly passed away this week, a legend of the game. That's all from us. I hope you have enjoyed listening to the content on this podcast. Do you now feel more confident about Scotland winning after listening to this podcast? Let us know. Or are you fearful after having a lovely Portuguese reporter tell us about their team? Just like to say the best of luck to the women's national team for these two ties. Can't wait to watch them and let's get the six points in the two games. We will have a follow-up podcast coming shortly after the 
Finland game on Tuesday. So stay tuned for that. Other than that, from Kenny and I, thank you very much for listening and I hope you really enjoyed today's content. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Anyone's Game podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, please consider doing so. It works out at just 60 pence a week and it gives us a chance to expand what we can do and get more and more people involved, which of course only helps increase the coverage of women's football. Visit the newsletter at anyonesgame.substack.com.